And although I really hate to encourage people to set things set on, on fire. Nomadic yeah. cowbirds and poking the puffballs. I like turtles. And lightsaber frog calls. Fresh steamy scat filled with persimmon seeds. Well, hi. My name is Lindsay. I'm Rachel. And I'm Deb. And we're from the Great Plains Nature Center, and you're listening to That's My Favorite, the podcast where we geek out with naturalists. Today is Deb's Day. Ooh, odd day to myself. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) I think we already know what your topic is, and I'm very excited to hear about. Well, the topic is the cottonwood tree. And so maybe just a brief introduction. Um, Maybe my interest in trees was fostered, actually, by my high school biology teacher. And I didn't actually remember his name, I hate to say. Oh, no. (laughs) So I went back and found an old high school yearbook and looked it up. But I won't use his name on the video. But uh, one of our requirements for the biology class was to make a collection of 50 state trees. And we had to press them and dry them and identify all 50 of those trees. So I have known several trees pretty well over the years and can identify them pretty easily. Yes. 50 trees? That's a huge undertaking. Like It, it was. It makes me wonder, <laughs> what part of the state did you grow up in? Like in North Central. Okay. Yep. yep. Okay. That's right. Yep. Yeah, yep. That's right. Osborne was my hometown. Okay. Yeah, there are so. a few more trees up there. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I remember having to go other places and find some of them. And I remembered years later when I attended uh, Kansas State University that all the trees on campus are identified, uh, which made it a lot easier handy. too. That is such a cool project. Yeah. yeah. That is really cool. Well, and it did help us to learn. We also did 50 insects as well. Ooh, and I remember dang. having to go to the local veterinarian to get fleas. Was <gasps> it, and everybody in class did it. That's the way they got their fleas That's was to amazing. go to the local veterinarian. Clever. So, yeah. But so that might have begun an interest in trees. And then when I got to thinking after hearing some other podcasts that I had been listening to about topics that I could present, I thought, oh, well, I really enjoy stopping and listening and seeing the cottonwood tree that we have here in Chisholm Creek Park along the creek makes sense along the creek um, but it's one of the largest trees in the park and even if you stand here on the front porch of the Great Plains Nature Center you can look out across the park on a spring or summer day or even into early fall and see the leaves of that tree shimmering in the light and they mm. al- I always tell the kids they kind of remind me of little Christmas lights twinkling as the light is picked up by the leaves oh yeah. and I also found as I was doing more and more research to learn more about the trees because I just couldn't talk about my one experience with a cottonwood tree. I mean, I guess you could. Yeah, (laughs) it would be pretty tough. Um, I also found that, uh, well, I just lost my train of thought, that maybe they were uh, recognized as a sentinel of the plain um, Mm -hmm. as the pioneers would came to this part of the country very few trees and but the cottonwoods would grow along the creeks and that would be where they would know that hopefully they were going to be able to find water and resources that they needed for their survival i think and i might be wrong but isn't there a quote in the habitat hall that calls the cottonwoods a sentinel and maybe yeah. that's right yeah. yeah i think you're right okay. okay and then i also found through the kansas historical society that it was called the pioneer tree of kansas Ooh. as well so and so i mentioned that i like to hike in the park with the kids and stop at that point and just listen to the leaves and i've always thought that it sounded something like a rain stick and Ooh. so And this is a shorter version that I borrowed from my friend Matt. That's so but fun. a really large one that's commonly used in orchestra productions or a performance of a band or something like that. Uh-huh. It's probably, what do you say? Rachel's probably seen one before. Yeah, I think my mom has several yeah. that are, I mean, as tall as me sometimes. Yeah. yeah. So you can really get that impression of the beads inside the yeah. stick falling and, and making that sound of the leaves. I learned a new term while I was looking up you know, how to describe a rain stick to our audience since maybe some people had never seen one before. New term, new term. Yeah, it's an idiophone. (gasps) Whoa, idiophone? (laughs) What? An idiophone. And that's an instrument 
of which vibrates to produce a sound when struck, stri- shaken, or scraped, such as a bell, gong, or a rattle. So That's that was an, that was a new word that. for me, and I had never heard it before. That's so fun. And, in reference particularly to percussion instruments. Nice. So. What does idio mean? What is that? I root? don't know. I, well, I don't know. I didn't look that up. I knew you'd ask me questions <laughs> I didn't know the answer to. But. <laughs> of all the questions you thought, though, maybe not that one. <laughs> not that one. Well, I, of course, phone is sound. Yeah, so right. Idiophone. But anyway, uh, so the rain stick always has reminded me of that sound. And when I say that to the kids, they seem usually familiar with a rain stick sound. And it may be something that they use in their music classes in school or something. That, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I Googled what the root meaning of idio is, and it says, uh, the word root idio comes from Greek idios meaning own distinct, and it usually means personal own, peculiar, or distinct depending on the context. So okay. a distinct instrument used to vi- that vibrates. That vibrates to make a sound. To make a sound. To make okay. a distinct sound. Fascinating. Right. Okay. Very so cool. Yeah, very distinct sound. And even though lots of leaves flutter in the wind, mm-hmm. I still don't think that there's any um, similar sounding leaves to when the cottonwood leaves are vibrating in the wind. Not in Kansas anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I happened to be on a walk um, near my father-in-law's home in Concordia and was walking up the sidewalk and I, all of a sudden I heard that sound uh-huh. and I looked up and there was a probably 60, 80 foot cottonwood tree along the trail that I was walking. And so I tried on several occasions to record the sound. So we'll see if we can get that recording up here. Got to take that off. Oh, get that off. It tickles my ears. You know what's really cool about this is it sounds like like water. water. It sounds like a stream. And that's what I usually tell the kids is that even though the creek in Chisholm Creek Park is not a running body of water very frequently, (laughs) unless we have heavy rains, that's what it really sounds like is that it's a small waterfall or a brook or something like that. It's a lovely sound. So tell us why that happens. Why why does the cottonwood shimmer in the wind Mm -hmm. so much? Okay, well, it has to do with the way the leaves are attached to the stems of the tree and that they are... uh, um, a single leaf uh, attached to their petiole which is also flattened mm-hmm. along the edge, which allows that leaf to twist and turn in mm. the wind rather than just a, um, I guess, adhered to the, the stem would be a better way to say it. Yeah. And so it's free moving, free moving. And for our listeners who don't know what a petiole is, it's basically the stem the stem of a leaf like if you picture a leaf it's the little part that Mm -hmm. attaches it to the tree and that's also the petiole (laughs) that brings the nutrients from the tree to the leaf and the leaf to the tree Mm -hmm. so it's it's a passageway for the nutrients of the tree that's a really good point okay yeah that is good yeah so i had a hard time of course as usual picking a quote favorite (laughs) and uh, i knew you were going to try to tie me down on that topic as well because i have lots of other favorite trees Uh like right along that same part of the trail is uh, the catalpa, which oh. has those beautiful white blossoms in the spring yes. and huge leaves and the long bean pods. So just lots of sensory type things. And then oak trees. I love the shape of the leaves and the fall colors and um, also maple trees. But if you drive um, the road that goes straight up through North Unit by uh, North Newton by Bethel College, you in the fall is a beautiful time to see the colors of trees. And cottonwoods don't have that but they have this beautiful sound so I think that's the sound that attracts them to me but yeah go ahead and cottonwoods turn a beautiful color in the fall they do just not as a vibrant color as some like our Chinese pistache out here in the park I have some pictures hanging in my house of trees um, and a frame and the first one is a cottonwood that I'm going to show you here in just a minute and then I have one of the Chinese pistache in the fall and then the third one is the cottonwood tree here in the Chisholm Creek Park so you know I never really thought about 
having a favorite kind of tree before. Yeah. But I have ones that I tend to gravitate more toward. Like mm-hmm. you mentioned the catalpa. And uh-huh. I immediately went to like a childhood memory that I have with my cousins. Oh, yeah. And that's like pretend sword fighting with those bean pods. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, Amazing. are catalpas my favorite tree? <laughs> yeah, well, they might be. They might be. Yeah. That's awesome. Can I say just how adorable it is, by the way, that you have a framed like tree wall <laughs> of your favorite trees from well, our park. I I had, it. it had to do with the whole theme of my r- bathroom decorating is why this uh, this evolved. And I had just <laughs> I had picked out these um, oh a shower curtain and towels, and they had leaves on them as a part of the embroidery decoration. And then Charlene, who used to work here in the gift shop, um, has been belonged to a photo class that she takes online. Oh yeah, and so. I was. I also um, have a wall hanging that she purchased for me at a quilt show that she goes to in Houston, and it was of a tree with leaves. And so then I thought, oh, I ought to have some pictures of the trees in the park that I really like. And Aww. so that's how that all evolved. That I have those pictures of trees in my house. <laughs> Deb, you're a huge nerd. I love it. <laughs> I love everything. All right. Does. So, um, but thinking back, maybe to the historical perspective of trees <clears throat> and uh, the cottonwood and how it was. Was um, really a site for sore eyes, you might say, for people. Uh, Randy and I uh, decided here about four years ago, I think it was, to travel to visit our son in, in uh, California. And we rented a car, and the purpose was, and Lindsay would enjoy this, Matthew had had a taxidermied deer, um, mm. and we didn't want to mail it or try to package it any way that it would make it there safely, so we decided uh-huh. to rent a car to take it to him in oh, California. Dang. And one of the places that I had picked places that we could stop along the way to kind of stretch our legs so we weren't just riding down the, the interstate the whole time, and we stopped at Black Dragon Wash in, uh, off of I-70 in Utah. That sounds like a really cool place. It, it does. It does. It had, and what attracted to me was the petroglyphs that oh, were yes. there on the walls of the canyon. And um, what you had to do to get to this place was you had to find the particular exit marker, which was just one of those mile marker signs. Mm. There was no signage directly related to this black dragon wash on the interstate. If there was, it was a small, you know, sign that you wouldn't easily see. So mm-hmm. we had to be watching the mile markers. Yeah, but, and if you think about Utah, if you've traveled there before, it's a pretty remote area. Yeah. And really no trees anywhere that I, you know, that you could easily see. So then you have to uh, open the gate, like it's a barbed wire gate, I believe, and uh, of course reclose it in case there are any cattle or other animals about. And then uh, drive quite a ways, I would say three miles maybe, back up into the canyon to get to this area and then uh, there's a parking area and then you had to get out and walk on up to see the petroglyphs mm-hmm. but along the way there i uh took this picture of randy standing next to one of the cottonwood trees there Ooh, okay we'll come uh, up and see it yeah okay <laughs> so here's a tree a cottonwood tree oh wow it's oh my really twisted yeah it is and that was what and I guess what uh, was interesting to me was just the the trunk and the way that it had developed. And the fact that if you look in the background, mostly it's just sage. And here's a few cottonwood trees that in this wash. And I was asking Randy, I said, what kind of rainfall do you think they get there? He said, well, I have no idea. But when you look at the surrounding uh, plants and foliage and things like that, they must not get much rainfall at all yeah. in that area. So for a cottonwood tree to have grown and to survive that long this one i'm guess is easily a hundred year old tree yeah. that in this picture would be one that had to be there a long time ago right yeah and then you wander up the path and get to see the petroglyphs and another interesting thing that happened along that visit was that there was a sign-in log as you got up to the petroglyphs that had been put there by i think national park or something mm. to that effect and the last people that had visited there had been there in july and um had to i don't know what had happened how they got stuck but they had to be towed out of there <gasps> and they uh and i'm thinking how in the heck did they even get a hold of somebody to come and and rescue them but uh, right as we stopped and parked in the parking area randy's sister called us and we got 
had a perfectly good conversation, and there was cell service oh, out wow. there in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> nice. But these people had to pay about 150 to get uh, towed out of there. Yes. And I'm thinking, we had this rental car. Oh. It was a four-door Chevy Cruze. <clears throat> and so it was not, you know, high wheelbase or anything. It's like a regular car. A regular car okay. <laughs> driving up this sandy wash road. I mean, we actually went through uh, at one point. I remember that we drove down into the wash and then back up onto the other mm. side to get to this area that I had hoped to see when we got there. Mm-hmm. But to just to see a cottonwood there, I thought that was pretty interesting. But I also found that perhaps this cottonwood that we saw, and I don't know for sure, um, since I don't can't easily see the leaves or the structure of the leaves that might not have been the kind of cottonwood that we find here in Kansas, that there's a different kind of cottonwood called the Rio Grande or perhaps, and they are found um, in Western Colorado and Utah, um, but have that same populous um, beginning to their scientific name. Yeah. So, um, so they're in the same they're genus. In the, yeah. They're the same genus. Okay. So. Yeah. Well, that makes sense because our, our, Cottonwood is really thirsty. Like it really likes water, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's hard for me to picture a cottonwood making it in such a desolate, a dry, yeah. yeah, yeah. So as a whole, they can grow to be about seventy to one hundred feet in height, and can spread like fifty to seventy feet. And if you look at the picture, Randy, you can kind of see that it's really a place that could provide shade for someone and has quite a widespread to yeah. it. Oh, but you talked about really needing water. They can grow up to about eight feet a year. I thought that was kind of interesting. Like, wow. Tall? Uh, yeah. I guess That's that wouldn't lot. wide. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting, that, that much in a year. That's a lot. Yeah, it is. And then the leaves, I think, are pretty distinctive. They're leaves that you don't see on other than popular t- uh, poplar-type trees, excuse mm-hmm. me. And the leaves are simple, meaning that they grow independently or... I don't know what's the best it's a regular. Way. They're leaf. singular. Oh, yeah, singular. Okay, and but they're alternately arranged on the stem, so they're not across from each other. And I usually try to get kids to describe it to me as a triangular shape, but quite often what they'll tell me is that it reminds them of an umbrella. What? I've yeah. Never heard that. Yeah. I haven't heard it either, but now that you say it, I'm like, yeah, it does look like. I'm trying to picture a side view of an umbrella. A side view. Yeah, like whoop. Wait, what? I'll show you. <laughs> well, I have a picture of Your little of finger swooshes didn't quite I know. I'm me. sorry. That did not come across very well. Uh, That's great. I suppose silhouette. Well, here's a picture of the leaves. I don't know if I would describe it as an umbrella, but... Kind of like that? You know, I, I guess, guess what they're thinking about is like, like a pointed top. Comes back up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, something else that I thought was kind of interesting is um, that the flowers on the tree like right now there are no leaves and so the tree mm-hmm. doesn't look all that great to me at this time of year I guess oh, I don't have hey. quite the same same appreciation and when the leaves aren't on the tree I kind of like cottonwoods that don't have leaves on them because I, I feel like their shape is still really distinctive you know how mm-hmm. like the leaves you said are kind of triangle shaped if yeah. you squint at them um, the trees are kind of like an upside down triangle right oh well so yeah it's like if you yeah. imagine the branches like at the bottom uh-huh. of the point and then it like goes up and then extends into this like really triangular shaped crown and all the branches when they fork it makes this all these little triangle shapes that are ah, upside down okay. yeah that's true. all right well before the leaves are on the tree um they start to produce catkins which is a spike on the tree that is kind of downy or composed of the flowers of a single particular sex and so there are boy trees and there are girl trees or male or female trees oh sorry and you don't mean a spike as in like no, no, <laughs> stab no, people no, no, okay. no, no. Just it's a flowering spike, so it's pointed. Let's put it that way. Probably, mm-hmm. okay. yeah. <laughs> it's like a bunch of flowers on a stalk. Yes, uh-huh. but they would be soft, downy, and and um, kind of wind, uh, and they're also wind pollinated. So that's what mm. you t- typically think of a cottonwood is that seed pod. Um, blowing away into the wind, I guess. The the fruit matures, or those um, probably in May or early June, and the cotton that we associate with the cottonwood tree. Then you might see, um, I found a video of a cottonwood snowstorm. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, it's a, a pretty short. 
Okay. A snowstorm, but basically, and Randy and I were out walking the dogs last night, and we were in the snowstorm. Like an actual snowstorm. Uh, an actual <laughs> snowstorm, and it made me think of this video, where the cottonwood is blowing in the wind. That's a lot of cotton. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. Yeah. It looks like an actual snowstorm. It does. It, yeah. The only thing I noticed is that the snow is going up. <laughs> yeah, really big snowflakes, too. Yeah, really big. Yeah. Uh, okay. Now, and since there are male and female trees, the cotton is coming off of the female trees. Right. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. So yeah. if anybody's real annoyed by that, then you can appreciate the male cottonwood trees. Yeah. So uh, Rachel caught um, a little bit of this video the other day. <laughs> I also learned, and I, had, I thought I had heard this in the back of my mind before, that the cotton from the tree is actually highly flammable <laughs> and there are some fire starters i would call them after a novel of some um, repute some many years ago um, that um would get people excited who like to get involved with fire so here's the cottonwood burning the seeds of the cottonwood i should oh say oh my gosh and first of all i'm thinking you idiots <gasps> This is right up next to your home that you're burning this cotton from the cottonwood tree. They do have brick. I mean, it's... Oh, but you hear the sirens yeah, in the background yeah, in the video. Yeah. Dang. Whoa. And one other one that I caught of it, they were doing it right along the edge of their driveway, but there was dried material right along the edge of their driveway, too. And I'm thinking, why would you do it there? But it is kind of fun to watch, see <laughs> the... the how flammable that cotton yeah. seed is. Now we need to describe this because nobody can actually see it. Except That's for right. Us. Yeah, Lindsay, put it up on the thing, can't we? Yeah, yeah, we can put it on the website. Although I really hate to encourage people to set things set on, on fire. fire. Yeah. <laughs> so I would, I think I would. It burns a lot faster, or appears to burn faster than paper does. Yeah, like it's very I think rapid. So. Uh huh. And it um, almost goes out as quickly as it burns, as, but it keeps moving along the line of cottonwood fluff yeah and mm -hmm. it's like a line it, it's like a looney tunes like yeah. dynamite <laughs> wire or something that the flames just kind of going it just moves. down the line yeah yeah so i think it was it was kind of interesting and it reminds me of something my boys would enjoy doing they were <laughs> <clears throat> they were bad about starting fires around oh, our no. house yeah. <laughs> uh, well and then i think the bark of a cottonwood tree is pretty um amazing too because it's got these big furrows in it and mm. just really um i guess in comparison not so much as a younger tree but as it gets older it just looks like it has lived a long life i guess yeah. with those furrows and the bark and the <clears throat> and we have different uh tree cookie samples here that you know when you share share them with children that's what i notice about it is how big those ravines yeah are in the bark and they that part of of their trunk is like the outside uh bark portion is really thick too compared to a lot of other trees mm -hmm. like the part that isn't the furrow sticks out a lot further than bark on any other kind of tree really does do you know what i mean yeah oh yeah that's like one of the hallmarks of a cottonwood yeah. because that's how they were so fire resistant like, if you think of a cottonwood out in the middle of the plains, mm -hmm. you know, fire is a huge part of the prairie, and that's one of the reasons they could survive fire sweeping through is that yeah. their thick bark just protected thick. them. Well, and I understood, too, that as the tree gets older, it gets kind of cork-like so mm -hmm. that it's better at absorbing moisture. Mm -hmm. And so, and the fact that they also grew along the creeks mm -hmm. helped them to protect themselves during wildfires so yeah. that, that they were able to survive. Yeah. And I read that the tree itself is a really soft wood, and um, so it cannot be used for uh, fine furniture or anything of that nature. Mm -hmm. And even though it was a common tree on the plains for the um, the pioneers as they came here, they would build structures with it, but it was like a temporary structure. It wasn't the final structure that they were going to actually live in, but made use as long as they, you know, uh, for a short period of time. Gotcha. Mm. Yeah. So as I got to thinking about it being um, a softwood, I also read that it could be uh, carved. And I found an interesting place in British Columbia, Prince George, British Columbia, and an artist uh, named Elmer Gunderson, who does some excellent carving. 
And it's uh, Cottonwood Island Park tree carvings. I don't know that we need the volume on it, but we can look at some of his different artwork. And what I was thinking that maybe Rachel would agree with is some of his artwork reminds me of a particular movie series that you really like just because oh, wow. of the facial structures like this would probably be maybe a Native American of that region and um, people don't really know where these carvings are in this particular park in British Columbia but they just kind of stumble upon them there's no map to where they're located but they're they're just gorgeous carvings and then, unfortunately, he said originally he tried to choose trees that were not very close to the river so that he could, oh, there's a beautiful one. See the oh, beard wow. flowing off of that character? Yeah. Oh my yeah. Gosh. And it doesn't hurt the tree to do this carving as well. Wow. It's beautiful. So I don't know how you could describe that to listeners, but they would just have to look for themselves. Put so the link on the faces yeah. peeking out of the tree. Like, yeah. yeah it, it's really so, cool. It's the Cottonwood Island Park in British Columbia. Is Cottonwood where, Island. Yeah, where this gentleman has done all these carvings. But I was mentioning that he tried to make sure that he did not choose trees that were very close to the body of water that's mm -hmm. there that goes through the park so that he didn't have to worry about erosion eventually mm. taken down, but mm. it did happen. And so he did some of his carvings early in uh, the 2000s, and then I think he did some more newer ones in 2017. Oh, so, wow. That's really 16. cool. Yeah. Really cool. So I thought, oh, there's so many things that the cottonwood tree was really pretty good for, other than just being a, a visual or a, a sound to other people, too. Yeah. yeah. And they're good for wildlife. Turkey and deer uh, like to browse on the tr um, twigs and the foliage of the tree. Oh, yep. okay. So it'd have to be younger trees, because I noticed that as cottonwoods get older, the branches are pretty high up. Mm -hmm. They're not they're not a good climbing tree, Yeah, as uh, what I would, I guess, liken that to. And let's see, as far as the soil, they like sandy soil, which <laughs> makes sense since they grow along the the riverways and the waterways yeah. and they can't um, seedlings if you wanted to plant some 18 to 24 inches tall are usually used in plantings and they um, need good weed and grass control during their first three three years of growth mm. and they cannot tolerate shade. I was hoping, I went out to my mom and dad's farm, there was a young lady who did a 4-H project, and she took a picture of a tree growing in a silo at my mom and dad's farm. So I thought, oh, maybe that's a cottonwood. And when I read this part about them not being able to tolerate any kind of shade, then I rethought, but I still went and checked here uh, <laughs> over Christmas to see if it was a cottonwood. And um, they had a picture in their home, and I didn't uh, get into the house or out of town at the present time. So um, I, we went on down to the silo to see if I could figure out whether it was a cottonwood tree. And uh, there's an opening in the silo that's no longer used, and I peeked in there. And But the leaves on the floor were not cottonwood leaves. So oh. I was disappointed because I thought that would be so great for this story if <laughs> that was a cottonwood tree growing out of the top of that silo. Because yeah, it is, that would be yeah too perfect <laughs> deb it's kind of amazing in a beautiful wonderful way <laughs> that you just get so excited about the prospect of a tree being a, a cottonwood like, <laughs> maybe it's a cottonwood yeah <laughs> well unfortunately cottonwoods do have uh things that they need to worry about uh, in particular the cottonwood borer but oh right Those yeah are so cool but they're but they, cool oh, they are and i had a picture here one they were talking in the description i would describe them as pretty black and white although this picture from our gpnc website looks uh, more yellowish and black but i've seen them just like a cream color yeah. yeah but i have seen a couple that i uh, that were really stark black and white co contrast yeah. but i think the description i found said that those antenna are really almost longer than the length of their body yeah they're a longhorned beetle so yeah. they've mm -hmm. got those just crazy just huge antenna. huge and they're they're big beetles i mean they're yeah. like they could be the size of your finger almost yeah well and this one is uh sitting here and you can find this on our website is probably what do you say two inches in length yeah I think. at least like mm -hmm. your first two knuckles yeah so they're a, a good sized insect mm -hmm. and i did notice that we had some out near the cottonwood trees during um uh, 
at our parking lot. It's been a while since I noticed them there. Mm-hmm. But the thing about them is that they can start at the ground up at the roots of the tree. And even though the tree is still standing, you may not notice that they are eating their way to the top of the tree. Mm. And, tell, and generally what happens to cottonwood trees is that they rot or they're uh, destroyed by pests from the inside out. So you oh. don't know it until maybe a until storm comes along and yeah. some of the branches fall, um, are blown off or something like that and that's and th- so they get weak at the ground level first and then they just eat up to the top until they get to the leaves mm-hmm. do they destroy the tree i didn't think that cottonwood borers could destroy a cottonwood tree i didn't think so either well it talks about some other uh, boring beetles which they are a borer mm-hmm. that they choose holes in the base of trees and lay their eggs in them and then the larvae the hatch larva. and destroy trees by chewing the inside wood into sawdust and pulp that makes sense so I guess technically the cottonwood borer itself, it, but it's the eggs and the it's larva. It's the larva. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. So I mentioned earlier that they're related to other poplars and aspens, and so they have those sh- mm-hmm. uh, same shaking and shimmering leaves. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, you know, a lot of people would like to have a cottonless cottonwood because they don't <laughs> appreciate that cotton flying through the air if they have it as a part of their home landscaping or in their yard. Like I was visiting with Richard, who is our guest uh, gift shop manager, uh-huh. and he has a cottonwood tree in his backyard, and he says, come get it anytime. <laughs> And I, well, I'd originally gone into the gift shop to look for books about uh, medicinal uses of cottonwoods. So that's what I was looking for. And so then I started having this conversation with him and he said, oh, I have one of those cottonwoods in my backyard. (laughs) And I think he was most uh, disgruntled about the sap that they produce. Oh, Oh, what? Yeah. And they have a, a, the bud on the tree in the spring has this really sticky sap that um, is very difficult to clean off of things, and that's what was annoying oh, him more I than anything. I didn't realize that. Does yeah. it, like, drip onto stuff, obviously? Yeah, yeah. uh-huh. Yeah. So that's what he didn't particularly like about the tree. So then I was thinking about, oh, the cottonless cottonwood, but the only reference I found to those was not in the wild. They were all nursery. Cultivated. Cultivated trees. So, yeah. So if you want a cottonless cottonwood, then you'd need to go to a nursery of some kind to find. Genetically modified. Yeah. Or get a male. Or get a male. You probably can't tell until you've planted it whether it's a male. Yeah. I wonder how long it takes a cottonwood to mature. That's a great question. I don't know. Well, probably a couple decades. Oh, that see, then you wouldn't be able to plant it because mm-hmm. it would be too large, and you wouldn't know which. Yeah, like I think I mentioned earlier that they're usually eighteen to twenty-four inches tall when you use them in plantings. So. Yeah, they're little. Yeah, and it takes about three years for them to get to a height. But if they're growing, what did I say? Eight, eight feet. Eight, eight feet a year. year. They're pretty fast-growing trees. And I imagine that their growth is exponential, Mm -hmm. so it's a lot faster when they're younger, but as they get older, it probably slows down. Yeah, it could. Yeah. But then I was surprised at the number of different kinds of cottonwoods. There's a lance leaf, a narrow leaf, a plains cottonwood, a Rio Grande that I mentioned earlier, the Fremont cottonwood, the black cottonwood, the swamp cottonwood. What? I guess I didn't realize there are so many different kinds of cottonwoods. Yeah, well, when you look out across the Kansas landscape, you just think You see the one, yeah. Yeah, the cottonwood tree. And we have the eastern cottonwood as our species. Yeah. All right. Well, then I wanted to think a little bit more about the historical references to um, the cottonwood tree. And we mentioned earlier um, them needing maybe creeks or some kind of source of water to be able to survive and also to survive the fires of the plains. So the pioneers looked for them as they went across uh, the misnomer, I mm. think, of the plains, the great American <laughs> desert, because, <gasps> yes. yeah, rude. <laughs> but it's so, such a good visual, I guess, well, if you're it used is. to big yeah. forests and things. And I have been out, um, oh, the first time I went with my husband, Randy, to do some scouting out at Quivira National Wildlife Refuge, and we were wandering around among the kind of the sand and the sand burrs and the, and the short glowing plants. I'm thinking... You know, if I'd been a pioneer and I'd travel out and this was all I saw, I think I'd have turned around and gone home. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I can see how they would call it that because, I mean, in some parts of the state, it is very barren. It can seem barren. It can seem barren. 
because it's not what you're used to seeing. Yeah. And you have to look, I think, a little closer at the prairie to really feel how alive it is. Mm-hmm. And to appreciate it, too, yeah. probably. Yeah. I think yeah. you're right. Yeah. So another historical part of the Kansas uh, cottonwood tree is that it is our state tree and has yes. been the official state tree since 1937. So when we do programming for children, which we're a lot about, the state symbols, we bring up the cottonwood and I try to have pictures of the leaves or at least um, I've also uh, laminated some of the leaves for them to be able to see them and to see their distinctive shape and size. And then we have what we call tree cookies that I take out and allow them to touch the bark and so that they can see what that's like as well. And a tree cookie is just a cross section of a tree. Right. Uh Small small enough to be like a cookie. It's like a coaster. (laughs) Yeah. Cottonwood coaster. Yeah, except a lot bigger than a cottonwood coaster. (laughs) Um, So an interesting story about our state tree is that um, they thought that perhaps the tree that stood on the Capitol grounds in Topeka Mm -hmm. uh, had grown from a stake driven into the ground. And they thought the stake was made of cottonwood and that it eventually, you know, just kind of uh, put its roots down and helped to grow this tree that stood outside the Capitol building until the 1960s. So it was there for a long time. I'm what? confused. So they think they just, the original a tree just propagated from, from a, a stake? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it probably didn't really happen. That's that's the story. Okay, I'll be honest. When you said stake, I imagined like a T-bone. <laughs> Like why would it? That doesn't no, make any sense. And then I figured it out. The steer fed on a cottonwood and had the seeds embedded in its meat. <laughs> but wait, was the stake holding up another tree? No, it was there during the original construction of the of the Capitol building. Weird. Yeah. Seems like a very far fetched story. Does. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna fact check you, Deb. Oh, well, it's right here from the Kansas Historical Society. She does say oh, that it's a wow. story. Yes, uh-huh. and I did mention that. Yeah, but. The most believable account of the tree's origin came from um, a a letter that they found, the Historical Society, dated in 1909. And when the ground was broken, he noticed a small tree about three feet and a high sapling growing between some large stones. And then he went home, secured it with some larger stakes, and then the sapling took root. And apparently it was then uh, replanted at the Capitol building. So... Hmm. That sounds way more plausible. Yeah, Yeah. it does. So I have, they also thought that many famous people um, used the shade of that tree as they visited our fair state throughout the years. And, you know, at that time, there would not have been air conditioning in buildings. And if you wanted to stay cool, you got outside under a shade tree during those hot hot summer days. So there are some pictures of the state capitol and that original tree that growing on the state grounds. Hmm. And then I mentioned something about the 1960s. Um, Here's a picture of the tree in the early 60s. And maybe the two of you are too young to know about a huge tornado that went through Topeka. Too young. Yeah. I don't know <laughs> yeah. the story. Um, in 1960s. Well, supposedly, um, Topeka was never to be r- ravaged by uh, a tornado because of the the mound um, at one part of the city and the river running through it. And I don't know what all the story is about why they were protected from never having a huge tornado go through. But they did. And it destroyed the tree. And um, mm-hmm. even after that, they tried to prop it up with guide wires and all kinds of things to help the tree to survive, but it did not make it. So Yay. it's not there anymore? No, it's not That's there That's what I anymore. wondered. Yeah. Oh. So what they uh, did do then, so that happened in uh, 66 in 1966, and um, an artist came along and knew that there were some hunks of the tree that had been uh saved and he took them and made a chainsaw chair uh, which used to be displayed at the Capitol but no longer is and here's Wait, is the- it a chair shaped like a chainsaw or is no, it a chainsaw just, cut he, okay. chainsaw cut yeah but he included the state uh kansas on it the sunflower and there's other symbols on the back of Aww. the chair but he made that out of uh, a chunk of the tree but when you look at the size of this chair and i don't we don't have any reference to it that must have been one big chunk i'm thinking maybe as big as this table yeah, or bigger a big chair so like what three, three to five feet, feet. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah so um i believe if i remember correctly that one is available to see at the kansas historical society (laughs) 
So Very I thought cool. that was kind of an interesting story, too. And another hunk of the tree was made into other state symbols. Cool. Yeah. I want to see like those. That. Yeah, like I would go see those. Yeah. So I think that's at the Kansas Historical Society in Topeka. Okay. Um, but we can check on whether that's available or not, if I remember right. But That's really cool. Mm-hmm. I like our state symbols in Kansas. We've got some really good ones. We do. And they have a nice theme to it. Like Deb was dissing the cottonwoods <laughs> and it's a lack of color earlier. Yeah. But the cottonwood <laughs> turns yellow in the fall, which like is Like a beautiful golden oh, yellow. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. And, and it matches our other state symbols, which are mm-hmm. all like brown, black, mm-hmm. and yellow. And yellow. And I think a lot of people just traveling through the state too when if you travel through to see the wheat growing which is not Wame. necessarily yeah waving wheat uh, <laughs> what about that tall grass prairie though what yeah about blue stem? Um, blue yeah and that's a that's a beautiful color in the fall oh yeah is. yeah well i also found some very interesting stories um about the cottonwood tree uh several years ago i think it was 2011 or 2012 i took a master naturalist course and we traveled back and forth to Hutchison to the Dillon Nature Center. That was an Emporia, right? Your naturalist class? or uh, No, at Hutchison at oh, the, oh, at the okay. Dillon Nature Center. And we also visited places here in Wichita as well, like the Water Center. And we mm. went to the Sedgwick County Extension Office and um, a local meteorologist did a presentation for us there. And so we I had an opportunity to just kind of pick up a lot of different information about the state of Kansas and our flora and fauna here in Kansas. Very cool. But yeah. one story that the ladies that I traveled with told me about was this cottonwood tree that um, is on K96, which is a major highway that travels here between Wichita and Hutchison. And it has been there for more than 100 years. And at one time, that was, um, as they were building 96, the KDOT was going to tear down that tree. So a coalition of people got together with a petition, and they <clears throat> hoped to save the tree. And in the end, not necessarily just due to their efforts, but they didn't have to tear down the tree in order to build Highway 96. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> save the tree! So sometimes this tree has a nickname of the lucky tree or the wishing tree or the honking tree. Why is it the honking tree? Well, as (laughs) groups go by, like sports teams, particularly one in this story talked about sports teams from Hutchison, as they come by, (laughs) drive by the tree on their way to athletic events, will honk at the tree for good luck. Oh, I love that. (laughs) So So I, um, as I was preparing for this podcast, I was telling Nicole and Emily about the tree as we drove out to Quivira for for the bird count a couple weeks ago. It's already been two weeks. And um, as I was telling Nicole about it in the morning, I said, I can't remember exactly where it's located, but on the way home, we kind of looked out for it. Well, it so happened that Emily and Nicole had to go to Quivira the very next day for another event. And just for me, they uh, Emily looked uh, the tree up, and it has its own Facebook page. No! <laughs> That's so cool. I'm going to go follow it. I yeah. want to follow it, too. So uh, she found the exact location of the tree, because we oh. didn't find it on our way home that day. And the two of them stopped and took pictures for me of <laughs> the K96 cottonwood tree. They are just the best people. Oh, so my gosh. So here's Nicole so standing at the base of the tree. Oh, my God. Oh, she showed me this photo. Yeah. So it's really... Oh, it's huge. It's, it's a huge tree. tree. I didn't even see her at first. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing they told me they did with the two of them stood um, as if they were hugging the tree and they could not touch the fingers of the other person as they put their arms around the tree because it's a mammoth tree. It's huge. Yeah. But the tree has also had some special recognition. Uh, Like after 9-11, the tree was uh, draped with the American flag. So Mm -hmm. over the years, it's been very symbolic to the people that are familiar with the uh, Highway 96 that goes between Wichita and Hutchison. Now, this is a huge cottonwood, but it's not the biggest one in the state, right? Um, That I don't know for sure because there you know there's a lot of claims about yeah. where the biggest one is and i saw one article that said no the biggest one is in the state of nebraska and well that's just false <laughs> i know come on so there's a lot of conversation about where the actual biggest cottonwood tree is and i i didn't include that information because i don't know for sure that's fair. Okay. Yeah. I Googled this, but I think this is out of date because it was back in 2009. Oh. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure I recall an announcement being made about um, a new one because the other one fell down. So, oh, yeah, it got moved to El Dorado. So the first one said that the largest eastern cottonwood in 
is near Studley in eastern Sheridan County in northwest Kansas. According to the Kansas Forest Service, this tree is over 35 feet in circumference. Holy cow. Is wow. 96 feet tall and has a spread of 127 feet at the crown. Wow. But I think that one fell because um, there's another one in El Dorado. Do they rank them by circumference or by height or like volume? Well, it kind of sounds like several pieces of information, like the girth of the tree as well as the height. And it's kind of like asking what the biggest bird is. Do you mean weight or wingspan? They kind of score them like they score deer antlers. Oh, so they go, yeah, total points. They have a total point system. You're kidding? Nope. With trees? This is through the Forest Service, Kansas Forest. Um, it says total points equals circumference plus the height plus the crown spread. Divide that by four. And it breaks all of that down for you. So it explains why they use circumference, why the height, and why they divide everything by four. Or divide the crown spread by four. That's really cool. Yeah. And so it's got precise. a map of all the behemoth cottonwoods in Kansas. Oh, okay. That's awesome. This is really neat. Oh, well, boy, I didn't do enough research. I this is to keep really, <laughs> really cool. <laughs> Now, okay. what is the name of the Facebook page that this tree has so that I can go stalk it? I will find out for you. Yeah. Or unless Deb knows. No, I don't know. Okay. Emily just sent it to me and said that that's how she found the exact location was. <gasps> it's, yeah. It was called the luck, luck Tree? The Honking Tree? The Honking Tree, the Lucky Tree. Yeah, so it had... <gasps> Dude! Okay, there's the Kansas Forest Service has a Champion Trees of Kansas like record chart, <laughs> and it was last updated... On December third. Oh, that's of this month. Recent. Of this month. Of oh. this year. Okay. Yeah. So it's recent. And it has apparently they measure them every year and then update the spreadsheet. Who goes and does that every year? I don't know, but I wanna do it. <laughs> that's a really good use. Like I can't think of a better way to spend your time. Right? Yeah. And it's got every the largest one on record that we know of listed there and it's each species that you can find in Kansas. Oh, okay. Ah, that's so cool. This is really cool. It's super extra. Saving this. <laughs> oh, I love it. So one last thing, or a couple th- things. Um, I talked to uh, Nicole about this program, about the cottonwood tree, and mm-hmm. she says that she's highly allergic to the cottonwood tree. What? And she had always thought, as many people do, that it's the cotton that's flying around in the air with the seed that is the allergen, but mm. it's not. Mm. It's, it's the it's the bud of the tree. Lindsay was going to say it for me. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but if the cottonwood is flying, then the bud has already been there and you've already been exposed to the allergen. So, mm. you know, it's kind of uh, well, one half dozen of the other that if the cotton is flying, it really, the allergen is present. Yeah. So yeah. I thought that was kind of interesting. I have a question for you. Okay. I hope I can answer. Okay. I know that there are some myths, 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 myths <laughs> associated with cottonwoods. Oh, I don't know if I know any. Okay. Tell me what you know. The only one that I've really heard, or it's a wives' tale, maybe I should call it a wives' tale, is that when the cottonwood leaves are flipped over. Oh, I have not heard this. Yeah. And when you see the underside of it more so than the top of it, rain is coming. Oh, I had not have heard, you heard that. How do you know if? The leaves are more flipped over. Because they have the <laughs> bottom side's a different color. Yeah. They're a lighter. It's, it's like a silvery yeah. almost. And you can like see it more so, I guess. I don't know. That's just something that I've heard. Okay. okay like, so I'm going to have to test this theory or yeah. hypothesis or myth. <laughs> but in the slightest breeze, it's just all. I know moving. that. But apparently it's like more so like they say that the leaves just turn over when rain's coming i don't know i'm just repeating what i've heard Uh well along that line there are several native american stories about the cottonwoods uh they were a symbol of the sun so uh northern mexican tribes associated cottonwoods with the afterlife Mm. uh they used cottonwood boughs and funeral rituals the roots were used for carving, which led me to this gentleman in British Columbia to look that up. And uh, many ceremonial objects were made by the Hopi and the Pueblo and the Navajo tribes mm. from the 
Cottonwood. And there were some wonderful stories. And I did mention this to Rachel. One of the stories, though, said that it could not be reproduced without written re- approval of the North Dakota Council on the Arts. Oh. But it is online. And I liked it. It was the star in the Cottonwood tree. So if you want to oh. look that up for yourself, then you can find that one. And um, let's see, there was also a quote and a beautiful picture of a um, cottonwood tree from the Uum tribe, um, also thought to be the actual name of the Yaqui tribe, uh, and it's a, a Aztecan, Aztecan, excuse me, language of the Yaqui people, and they uh, say the cottonwood suckles like a baby suckles on the mother water running underground. A hmm. cottonwood, cottonwood will talk to the mother water and tell her what human beings are doing. Oh. So they had a lot uh, to say about so the cottonwood. Mother water has some spies in our midst. Yeah, yeah. Oh. sentinels. Sentinel spies. So here was the beautiful picture that went with that quote. It's looking up into up the trunk of the tree into the leaves. That is fun. Yeah. And I did have a picture of the monarch tree, too, in Pueblo. This one came from the Historical Society in Colorado. This tree growing right there in front of what is now the cafe. I don't know if it's the original structure or not. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. So I think that was everything that I had about the cottonwood tree. Cool. But I discovered a lot as I got to thinking about it. But really, I think my favorite is the sound. (laughs) Tickles my ear holes. (laughs) Amazing. Well, I am now a part of the group. We always honk at the lucky tree outside of Wichita, which is... yeah. A Facebook group with over 5,000 members. That's what it's oh, actually really? called. Yeah. yeah. I found it and I sent it over to Rachel. I'm also part of the group now. Yay! <laughs> I encourage all of our listeners to join and honk at the lucky, the lucky tree. tree. Yeah. Every time now it's going to happen. I don't know. I like And it I, does describe exactly what mile marker it is at. Probably, I, think, yeah. I think it's 150, I, I want to say, but I need to confirm that. So. Yeah. And having pictures of the tree helps, too, because then you know exactly what to look for mm-hmm. when you're driving down the road. A yeah. lot of people are posting pictures of when they pass it. Like, uh-huh. oh, well, the weather's always bad, but there's the honking tree. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so the cottonwood has a lot of history and culture behind it, but maybe we just need to enjoy it for the beautiful sound and the color of the leaves and the twinkling of the leaves in the sunlight. Yeah. I have a important question maybe to wrap us up. Deb. Yeah. Would you consider yourself a tree hugger? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I think I would because I had heard one time that if you take a stethoscope and put it up to the tree while the sap is running, you can actually hear the sap running inside the tree. And so I have, tr- oh. I've tried that. But the problem is, I think the couple times I tried it, it was really windy. So there was a lot <gasps> of outside sound. Mm. So in that case, yes, I was a tree hugger. Didn't, I feel like we had a conversation about this at a staff meeting. Nicole. Yes. And we found out that you can only hear the sap running when the tree is like really young, dehydrated, yeah, and oh, dying. And okay. dying. Oh, it's like a death rattle. But you can like, yeah, oh. it's a death rattle. <laughs> oh, that's so, kind of a sad ending. Yeah. We better find a better ending <laughs> or cut this part. So if you hear the sap running, water your cottonwood. Water your cottonwood. Yeah, there check you it go. for parasites. <laughs> They're thirsty. They like water. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but this was a very nostalgic episode for me. How was that? I don't know. It just made me. Think about all the things that I've enjoyed about Cottonwoods, but never really thought about, about it before, oh, okay. you know? Yeah. And there's something kind of like, I don't know, ancient and nostalgic, just about like a mm. tree in itself. And I guess reflecting on an important part of our state, and I think all of us have a pretty important connection to Kansas mm-hmm. and feel very like personally attached to the plains and the history here in our state. Mm-hmm. And the Cottonwood tree is just a piece that ties everything together. Yeah. yeah. And when you look out across from the fort to the nature center and you see that tree, you're looking at history. Oh, that was a you way really are ending than the death rattle. <laughs> that was way better. <laughs> okay. Um, well, thanks for hanging out with us, Deb. Check out our show notes on gpnc.org slash that's dash my dash favorite. Those are hyphens. Hyphens. <laughs> Replace well, those dashes with hyphens. <laughs> we'll we'll uh, get all of Deb's cool videos and stuff and put them up there. Yeah. So shoot us an email at myfavorite at gpnc.org. Thanks to our producers, the Great Plains Nature Center. We'll be back in a couple weeks with more favorites because everything is our favorite. Okay, bye. <laughs>